Welcome back, everyone. This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast, and I am your host, Austin. And this is the last of our firsts. Um, so it is the first sit rep episode of 2024. This is, well, also uh, the first time actually live streaming this recording on Instagram. Uh, at the same time recording this. So this will be released on our podcasting platforms on Sunday morning, as is uh, tradition. <laughs> but uh, as we're recording this, it's actually Friday evening. So those of you that are joining me on Instagram Live, you guys get a sneak peek behind the process, what this looks like, and kind of what I do for, uh, I mean, basically any episode, this is what it looks like. Uh, you know, behind the curtain, you need to see how not impressive this whole process really is. Uh, so it's kind of cool. Um, just decided to do this on the fly. So if you guys are wondering, this is what it looks like. This is why I record. I, I, I do prefer monster energy if anybody wants to send me like a case. Um, so yeah, we will get into a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and if you guys are joining us for the first time, <clears throat> uh, for a Sunday sit rep, what these episodes are is an opportunity for me to talk about current events, to talk about politics a little bit, to talk about, uh, I mean, a bunch of stuff, right? You know, on the normal podcast, we like to get into uh, guest interviews, and sometimes it's a it's a very focused discussion. Sometimes it's just me, right? But it's usually a very focused discussion around a specific topic or idea or set of ideas, right? Or a guest. <clears throat> and with that, it kind of, I don't want to say inhibits, because it's not a bad thing. But it it, it can kind of it can box us in, which in a lot of cases is a, is a good thing, right? We want to have a focused discussion on, you know, whatever we're talking about that day or whoever we're talking about. Um, but with these, uh, I can just kind of, uh, have the, the good old fashioned verbal diarrhea and get into whatever I want to. And man, uh, I do take notes. So those of you guys watching on video, I, you'll see me grab notepads periodically throughout this. <clears throat> um, sometimes it's very complex and, you know, sometimes it's not, um, but we have three pretty distinct and separate topics that I want to get into with this this recording today. Um, and before I jump into all of that, those of you that have been following us for a while, you know that we are a sponsored podcast. So we have some people we have to say thank you to. Um, and those that you, those of you, I should say, that have not joined us before, uh, this is going to be new for you. So first, we always like to say thank you to all of our Patreon patrons. You guys, if you didn't know, we do have a Patreon page. You guys can go support us there. You can find all kinds of cool content. Uh, we have long form videos there. We have blogs and articles. Uh, there's some discussion going on in there. We have targets and drills available, all kinds of stuff, uh, exclusive episodes of the podcast that you won't find anywhere else on any of our pod platforms, right? Those are all available through our Patreon page. And there's soon to be, uh, along with this week's uh, exclusive episode that I did on why it's important for you to understand CQB principles, there's also going to be <clears throat> a video series that goes with it. Now, when I say series, it could be like two videos or three videos. I don't know how long it's going to be, uh, but you guys can head on over to our Patreon page today. You can check that stuff out, and every bit of the support from that comes back right here to what you're seeing, what you're hearing with the Prepared Mindset podcast. So big shout out and huge thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. But in addition to everybody who is rad enough to support us on Patreon, we have some awesome partners in the industry that I want to say thank you to. And we're going to start with our friends over at Custom Night Vision. You guys, you can head on over to their website at customnightvision.com and check out everything that they have in stock. And there's a ton, honestly. There's a solution there for everybody in every budget, in every range, whatever you're looking for. So whether you're looking to get into your first, let's say, monocular unit, right? You don't know anything about night vision. You don't know if you need white phosphor, if you need green phosphor, Elbit, Fatanis, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, right? You have no idea. That's okay. A, they have it all in stock. B, they have this kick-ass insight chat function built in where you're going to be greeted by one of the custom night vision team members who's going to be able to walk you through the experience, right? They're going to be able to answer your questions. They're going to let you know, hey, you may get a wider field of view with some binoculars, or hey, you really won't notice a big difference between green phosphor and white phosphor other than maybe some eye fatigue, or you know, maybe you want to go with a Tonto housing for your first binocular because it's lighter. It's going to be less strain on your head and neck and things like that. Or hey, if you really do have the bankroll and you want to get into some binos, like some 1431 Mark IIs, some RNVGs, whatever have you, 
what your options are, what would serve you best, and and why. Their mission at Custom Night Vision is to give their customers the most transparent buying experience possible. They want to make sure that when you make your purchase, you're well-informed and you leave happy. That's why they're one of just a handful of companies I've been able to find that actually puts up pictures, images of the tubes that you're getting ready to purchase. So you know if you're going to get any little black blems, if you're going to have issues, if the color grading isn't exactly the same side by side, right? You can see all of that through a Hoffman machine before you purchase, before you commit the funds to uh, go grab one of these units. So I implore you guys, head on to customnightvision.com, check out everything they got in stock, look around, right? And if you're not ready to pull the trigger on night vision yet, they also have great options for lasers, helmets from Team Wendy and OpsCore, uh, weapon lights from Surefire and ModLite, and a ton of other good stuff, you guys. Uh, one more time, the website is customnightvision.com. Head over today and check it out for yourselves. In addition to Custom, we have to say thank you to the team over at HRT Tactical Gear. You guys, their website is hrttacticalgear.com, um, <clears throat> and uh, they make some outstanding nylon gear. Like, honestly, uh, I don't, I've been running their LBAC carrier for a while, and my friend Randy has been running the A-Track carrier. We both absolutely love the kit. It's really, really well made, and they have a ton of options. And guys, the cooler part here is it's actually in stock. I know that's shocking, but there's so many gear companies out there that make everything in piecemeal. They make everything, you know, uh, one run at a time so that as soon as it's sold out, you're waiting three to six months to get a restock. And it makes it really, really hard to build up your kit that way. That's not what HRT does. They make tip top gear with great quality and awesome materials, uh, carriers, placards, belts, their, their arc belt and using the Tigris material is absolutely outstanding. So many great options. Additionally, they carry armor plates, medical supplies, range supplies, whether that's, you know, lens cleaner for your weapon lights when they get all, you know, gunked with carbon or some targets like the Jawless Hog tactical targets that we posted on our Instagram page recently and a ton more. Uh, their AWLS weapon light is a great example as well. You guys can head on over to hrttacticalgear.com, check it out for yourself and pick up some new kit today. And finally, a big, big shout out to the team at 100 Concepts. You guys, they're killing it, man. Garrett, Pierce, and Jonah, they do outstanding, outstanding work. Their light caps and their scope caps, everybody knows about those now. But they're actually branching out. They're bringing a lot of new offerings to market. So whether it's their Pro Cap series with the anti-reflective device uh, for, or you know one of their uh, hex caps. So it's not for a scope, but for a red dot because anything with a lens is going to have reflection. And if you guys know and understand your principles of camouflage, you know that reflection is probably enemy numero uno. In addition to those, they make some outstanding pack and helmet scrim, their Chemlight kit, and the refills for the Chemlight kit, as well as their Sling Hook 2.0, and a ton of other options. They got their their night vision aperture kits are coming out very, very shortly. You guys head on over to 100concepts.com today and pick up some gear. Guys, their motto is do good, be dangerous, live free. I mean, come on, what a badass company, right? Who wouldn't want to support them? Head over to the website and check it out for yourselves. So... Big shout out and a thank you to Patreon patrons and all of our partners in the industry. You guys are the reason that we are able to do this week after week and produce the content that we bring to you. Now, getting into getting into uh, the, the the notes and and things I have for <clears throat> this week's Sunday sit rep. Uh, I guess we have to start. This was not my plan to start with this, but we have to start with the announced resignation of Wayne Lapierre. And some of you guys might be sitting there going, okay, who the hell is Wayne LaPierre? Well, I'll tell you. He is the uh, CEO of the National Rifle Association, or NRA, as it's more commonly known. Uh, for most of us, uh, he has been the, the CEO as long as we've been alive. Uh, he actually took that office uh, in 1991 and is uh, resigning on January 31st of 2024. So uh, what is that? That's 30, 33 years He's been the CEO of the National Rifle Association. So uh, why is this impactful? Why do we give, uh, you know, a darn hoot about what Mr. LaPierre here is doing and why it's a big deal? Uh, well, for one, the NRA is, uh, for better or for worse, mostly for worse, regarded as the foremost, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the gun advocacy group, right? Now, a lot of us cringe when we say that because... Uh, they haven't actually done a whole lot to protect gun rights in the last uh, 
10 years or so, especially since we've seen like the Obama administration roll through town and really take up a very concerted effort and a very concerted stance against private citizens owning arms. Um, the NRA was actually one, and it, it was a big deal at the time, right? Because they're, they're, they're the group that everybody allegedly screams is trying to uh, murder children because they, you know, are in favor of the Second Amendment. Um, they actually were a big part of the bump stock ban and other anti-gun legislation. Uh, now, <clears throat> that, that would sound very contradictory, right? And you're a pro to a organization and you're you're taking away gun owners' rights. Yes. That is, that is, in fact, how that worked, and that is, in fact, why so many people the last 10 years specifically um, have really been upset with everything going on with the NRA. It's why they've lost so much support. Uh, now, so much support from, I would say, like the 50 and under crowd. Um, you know, I'm in my mid-30s, so I, you know, I have to readjust my scope, and it's kind of weird that I no longer fall closer to my early 20s. <laughs> um, uh, <clears throat> so, you know, we're talking about this, the people that really still pay money to the NRA are a lot of your, I don't like to use this term because it's kind of derogatory, but FUDs, as in Elmer, as in the hunter of, of uh, rabbits, right? The guys that are all about hunting and they only want to hunt, they're only concerned with hunting, they're only concerned with shotguns and revolvers and things like that. They, they, <laughs> they're fine with this. They don't care. They actually, while calling themselves pro 2A in most instances, uh, are okay giving up things like semi-automatic weapons, which, as most of you guys know, Glocks, AR platform rifles, right? Because the AR is not a select fire weapon platform. It's not an assault weapon. Um, but these hunting individuals, uh, these older gentlemen in most cases, and some younger, you know, uh, they're actually in favor of the NRA and they're in favor of LaPierre. I mean, the organization makes a shitload of money. It's supposed to be this like charitable organization that's supposed to, uh, you know, put all of the funds that are brought in towards defending our civil liberties, uh, the Second Amendment. They're supposed to put all of this towards, you know, fighting the good fight, as it were, to help preserve rights of, you know, free citizens like you and I so that we can have guns so that we can, you know, exist without magazine capacities, uh, stupid rules and laws like the featureless rifle laws and stuff that you see in California, just like the really uh, idiotic shit that you see where, oh, you can't carry certain ammunition in these states. You can't have uh, a rifle with a pistol grip in California. You can only carry 10 rounds, whatever have you, right? Those are the fights that the NRA is actually supposed to be fighting. <clears throat> That's what they're supposed to exist for. What they've actually done is is just become another lobbying group. Um, we have not seen on any large scale, really, that I can think of, we have not seen any legislation actually passed, any meaningful legislation actually passed since Mr. LaPierre took over in 91 that has actually restored any rights to gun owners, if you guys think about it. So the Clinton-era assault weapons ban, which, again, many of you guys watching and listening to this right now, you may not have even been alive. Uh, I think I was three or four when the ban, the ban went into effect, because I believe it was signed in 93, and it was in effect from 94 to 2004, which, since he was uh, in his position at the NRA in, starting in 91, uh, he wasn't new to the job when it happened. He had been there for several years when that weapons ban went into place. And if you guys were paying attention or if you've done any research on it, it was not obviously renewed in 2004 because there was no quantifiable proof that the the assault, quote unquote, assault weapons ban actually had any kind of impact on violent crime or gun crime. <clears throat> People found ways to get firearms and commit crimes with them, which is why it's so ridiculous that we are now uh, 20 years after that expiration still fighting that fight and still trying to convince our elected leadership and politicians that gun control is a fallacy. It is a flawed concept, in at least in the framework that we see it today, right? It won't work. All it does is take rights away from the law abiding, take firearms away from the law abiding, and make it easier for those that wish to carry out evil acts, uh, that wish to do evil things. It just makes it easier for them, 
right? Because now they know that everybody that they approach is a target, regardless of it's a gun-free zone uh, or what have you. They know that, hey, that they, will, they won't have more than 10 rounds. They won't have certain ammunition or uh, you have to go through this strenuous and arduous process to get a concealed carry permit. So if I'm a betting man and I like to play the numbers, the odds are in my favor as a criminal, <clears throat> excuse me, that the, the person that I'm attacking here um, is going to be unarmed and easy to rob and to assault. Um, so that all happened under his uh, watch, right? Um, that was a, a big first, you know, 10, 15 years or so of his uh, tenure, and things never really seemed to get any better. We never actually won any legislative battles with the support of the NRA. Uh, more often, far more often now, you see Firearms Policy Coalition winning cases in court. Uh, you see, you know, a bunch of other different smaller, I would even say grassroots type organizations who have risen up because uh, the NRA is a, it's a very old organization, very, very old. And uh, you, you don't see them doing much. They have become a political machine. And I am actually I'm looking at the article here from New York Times uh, talking about his resignation. I'm trying to find some data on it because I would really love to know a couple of things. You know, this is written by uh, by Danny Hakeem just so nobody thinks that I'm, you know, plagiarizing or stealing uh, the gentleman's work. Um, so, and it's funny here, just uh, a quote here from Mr. LaPierre during his resignation announcement, with pride in all that we have accomplished, I'm announcing my resignation from the NRA. I've been a card-carrying member of this organization for most of my adult life, and I'll never stop supporting the NRA and its fight to defend Second Amendment freedom. My passion for our cause burns as deeply as ever which is just ridiculous because, uh, and you can tell he's just pandering, right? He's just pandering to the masses. He's saying the things that he's supposed to say. Uh, in reality, he's in his mid-70s. He is at retirement age, and he's probably going to get some kind of cushy board position somewhere else, which not not to say that I think that his work with the NRA has been uh, has been difficult, you know, or physically taxing on him. Uh, with things like SHOT Show and, you know, trade conferences and things like that, I would actually, I would believe that Mr. LaPierre here actually lived a very cushy life uh, of luxury while, you know, heading a large Pro 2A, uh, you know, a a large Pro 2A organization. Um, So, I I mean, the article goes on here. You guys can check it out on the New York Times website. Um, and there's a there's a civil court case going on, and that's really what the article uh, the article is called. Wayne Lapierre resigns from NRA with trial set to open, which I'm actually not completely familiar with what's going on with this. But it looks like he is saying he's stepping away for health reasons, and it might be just to shield the organization from uh, you know from any kind of legal ramifications it may be facing. Um, the article here says. Uh, the announcement took place during a board meeting in Irving, Texas. Uh, the NRA said LaPierre had attributed his decision to health reasons. Um, now, and I'm looking here because it references, ah, here we go. Uh, it's one of, the, one of the nation's most prominent lobbying organizations of more than three decades, but his resignation came as he faced his gravest challenge yet, a corruption trial in Manhattan, there we go, amid a legal showdown with New York's Attorney General Letitia James. Uh, jury selection, it goes on to say, has already begun, and uh, he's actually been in the, LaPierre has been in the courtroom for some of it, um, and opening arguments were scheduled for early next week. Um, and, you know, scroll down a bit here, and since they began investigating the organization four years ago amid reports of runaway spending practices, which is where all that money has gone that was supposed to be fighting for our Second Amendment rights, uh, uh, the NRA has said it's undertaken a reform effort which is the PR way saying of, hey, we'll, we'll do better, don't, don't hurt us. Like, don't come at me, don't charge us, we'll, we'll do better. A reform effort, not an internal investigation on the validity of those claims, a reform effort. It's basically admission of guilt internally. Um, so on Friday, which is at the time of this recording, the group reiterated that it was committed to good governance and said it already accepted reimbursement with interest for alleged excess benefit transactions from LaPierre. Uh, but LaPierre was seen as facing an uphill battle in trying to convince a New York judge to keep him in place, given what he has already become public about his alleged mismanagement. Late last year, perhaps in anticipation of his departure, LaPierre elevated uh, Mr. Arluna Dam, a longtime loyalist. I don't know. So they have somebody who's going to be in place. Um, <clears throat> this doesn't actually sound like, you know, he... 
it, it sounds like they're they're trying to do the PR way of covering everything up, and they basically know that they're screwed. And and, and Lapierre was trying to stay in in position. Um, now this article again. This is what I was looking for. Membership has plummeted from nearly six million members five years ago to four point two million today. They've lost a third of their membership in the last five years. So that's a 30% drop. <laughs> I mean, uh, and revenue is down 44% since 2016, according to one of the NRA's internal audits. This this is actually a pretty good article. Like, I usually hate the New York Times, but this is a good article. Um, I would recommend you guys uh, check this one out and take a look at it. Uh, it it's it, So this marks <clears throat> a... This is a man. What's the the term I'm searching for here? This is this is historic. This is a turning point. Um, this is something that if you're going to be a advocate of gun rights uh, or of two A rights in history, this is going to be probably one of the milestones. Because, like I said earlier, and I'll, and I'll reiterate again, is that this was supposed to be an organization that was dedicated to preserving and expanding uh, firearms rights. You know, it's the National Rifle Association, for God's sake. And it largely has not been doing that. And that's why you see that that massive decline, 30% drop in membership and a 44% drop in revenue. Um, and if you guys don't work in, in corporate uh, America, I, like I do in my day job, but if you don't work in corporate America, I'll tell you, you see numbers like that. Uh, and this is, by the way, this is not tied to economic hardship, right? Because, I mean, you could you could argue that. But in 2016, Trump came into office, right? And for the four years he was in office, leading us right up to when the coup hit, we had economic prosperity and stock market rises that we'd <clears throat> never seen in this country before. It's absolutely crazy. So it's not because of economic hardship. You can't point at that and say, oh, well, people just don't have the money to donate to frivolities like the NRA, um, especially because it's not really a frivolity. It's it's a right and something that's been hotly contested and debated uh, for almost 10 years prior to that, right, because Obama came in in 2008. So uh, I think we can all agree here, uh, whether you're a fan of the NRA or not, that you hope that the future, the future holds a... Uh, a different ideology than what we've experienced over the last 33 years under LaPierre. Um, if, with all the money that the, the NRA does have, because they do, I mean, even with a 44% drop in revenue, they still bring in a lot of money and 4.2 million members is still a lot of membership. So one would hope that, and, and hell, this might be a fundraising effort all of on its own, just seeing that like he's out the door, people may come back. People may come back and just say, hell with it. I'll, I'll pay the money for another year and see how it goes. Um, we'll see. I, I know that we can probably all agree and say that we sincerely hope that this is the turning of a corner, uh, an about face of sorts, right? And the NRA as an organization is now going to be doing more. More of the things that we see groups like uh, you know Gun Owners of America or Firearms Policy Coalition doing where they're fighting on the state level for legislation, A, to be defeated, that is restrictive of the Second Amendment, um, but will actually, actually win some of these cases and help to lobby to pass pro-firearm laws in states where we have super restrictive legislation, places like Illinois, places like New York, California, right, where uh, gun ownership is, is for the, the large part, being treated as a uh, luxury, <clears throat> and not a not a guaranteed right as it is in our constitution. So, you know, um, I, more to come on that. But that's a big deal. That is a really big deal. So, the end of the month, he's out officially. Now, uh, given that he is more than likely named in this court case because he was the CEO, and even though he's standing down, it's a corruption thing. Um, I, you know, I, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if he'll be kind of uh, relieved of all responsibility in that matter? I tend to think not because it, it is a civil, I, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. So I know civil and criminal differ. Criminal, you can't get away from. Civil, you can play nice. You can make business moves. You can settle. You can have all kinds of stuff sealed and, and negotiate and things can go very, very differently in civil cases, which to be clear, this is. It was not a criminal accusation towards the NRA. It's a civil one. Um, but I mean, let's all be honest. Let's call it what it is. It was a political move here to, to attack the NRA, 
No, I'm not saying that they didn't need that and they shouldn't have been called on their bullshit because they 110% should be. We, as citizens of the United States, are paying money into a national association, right? It's not international. They're not fighting for gun rights over in Ukraine. They're fighting for gun rights here in the United States, or they're supposed to be, and we are being told that that's where our money is is being appropriated, which we all really knew for probably at least the last 10 or 15 years that wasn't the case, uh, but nothing was being done about it. So, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with this. Uh, it should be very interesting, to say the least, about what is going on. Now, as we're talking, we'll, we'll shift gears here a little bit, all right? Um, because the second item that I want to get into in in today's sit rep is here in Michigan, where Prepared Mindset is uh, housed, where we're, we're housed out of. And I know a lot of our listeners are also here in Michigan. Um, <clears throat> we are one of the law, one of the states now impacted, I should say, by laws restricting our two A rights. I want to interrupt this episode to tell you guys all about our friends over at Ben Franklin Range. Guys, you've heard our episodes, you've heard our discussions, you've heard it mentioned on social media. The facility at Ben Franklin is absolutely top-notch. They're located out in Templeton, Pennsylvania. And guys, this is a one-stop shop. They have 1,200 acres of land. So whether you want to go practice some overlanding and do some off-roading, or you're looking for a facility to host a CQB class, they have a shoot house. You're looking for a place to host a shooting course. They have not one, but two turf ranges. Maybe you want to stretch out, you want to reach out to distance. They have an absolutely outstanding long distance, actually unknown distance range that is available for rent. You guys can head over to their website at benfranklinrange.com for more information. And you can reach out and contact the team there at BFR via email at info at benfranklinrange.com or give them a call. 412-439-8751. Guys, it's an absolutely outstanding facility. Cannot recommend them enough. Now let's get back to this week's discussion. Uh, I believe it's mid-February is when we have three major gun law changes for the first time in a very long time here in the great state of Michigan. Uh, A lot of us saw this coming because our our governor, Gretchen Whitmer, who was, uh, if you guys recall back a couple of years here in 2020 or 2019, she was actually on the short list of pre- uh, vice presidential candidates for Joe Biden, which uh, I know a lot of us are scratching our heads going, for what reason? Like, why? She's a, she's an idiot. <laughs> um, but, you know, we were also kind of like holding out hope because she's an idiot and we don't like what she's done for our state. So um, I do have an article here that I found. It's abc12.com. It's uh, out of Grand Blank, Michigan. Um, and this is actually was published uh, back on December 29th. So it's a couple days old, but, but not, not far off. So we are getting red flag laws. We're getting safe storage laws and background check laws. So starting with, they kind of tackle this in the article here. And this was written by Kent Davis to give Mr. Davis full credit for this. Because um, I found this earlier today and I thought this would be a really, really good one to cite here because he does a really good job of making these points very succinctly. Um, so um, it references interdu- uh, interviewing the owner of Dorchester Gun Shop in Grand Blanc, Michigan, uh, who's been showing customers apparently how to comply with the new laws. Um, and pointing out a loophole that'll be closed. So it goes on to say that, you know, two friends get together, one wants to sell, the other one a gun. He's just going to give him the gun, get his money, and that's it. There's no background check, Hoffman said, of the current gun laws in Michigan. Uh, Known as private party transfers, the person getting the gun will have to register going forward under the new laws, which that's what you do today. You buy a gun in a gun shop, you get the little sales slip, and you take it to your local police station right no big deal it's not it's not hard but now as private party transactions you are now required to complete that process uh which is weird because it doesn't actually complete a background check at point of sale uh and i think that's just another like i could be wrong right i could be reading this the wrong way but it seems like one of those gotcha laws where if I were to, you guys know Josh, my co-host Josh, right? If I were to sell a gun to Josh and Josh is actually a felon and Josh goes and does something with that. Now, in addition to him being charged with that bad thing that he did, they can come back and charge me because I sold him the firearm without doing a background check because Josh is in fact a dirty, dirty boy and he shouldn't have had a gun. Bad. 
I don't, uh, it, it actually, it's just one more step towards making firearm ownership very, very difficult, uh, both for those who are able to uh, enable ownership. Like if I have a used firearm, right? Like my very first gun, great example here, is a Gen 1 M&P shield from Smith & Wesson, right? Uh, it's a 7 plus 1 or an 8 plus 1, uh, 9 millimeter. Now, what would you buy that for today new if you even found them? I mean, I don't like 300 bucks, okay? That aside, if you have a friend, somebody who needs a firearm, right? They need it for their, they don't have a ton of money. They're really, really poor and having a very, very hard time. And they need a firearm because maybe their spouse is abusive or they work in a very dangerous part of town. This is, you know, we live very close to Detroit, what have you. Um, and maybe I'm for a hundred bucks and say, look, I just need something for it. I, you know, we're friends. So a hundred bucks, uh, it makes it harder for people to make these transactions legally and completely. Um, it, it really, it just adds another piece of complexity and the amount of money that probably went into, you know, lobbying for and drafting and passing all this legislation because we do pay salaries for all of our elected officials is it's just, it's a waste because if any crime were committed, whatever crimes committed, whether that's a legal gun owner or an illegal gun owner, it's already all illegal. If you're a felon, you can't own a firearm. That is already illegal. If you go hold up a liquor store, that too is already illegal. If you go, God forbid, and commit murder or assault, those two are already illegal. To an extent, I get it because we want to cut down on where people are procuring these firearms, but here's the deal. I don't know, like, they they pushed for a lot of this legislation behind the Oxford High School shooting. It's very unfortunate, it's very tragic. Any of these school shootings, very unfortunate, very tragic. Nobody is is denying that, and don't even get me started on the thoughts and prayers, and, okay, so what are we going to do to fix this? Well, more gun laws isn't actually going to be the answer to that, and this is just utilizing a tragedy to push a political agenda, because the firearm that was used in that mass shooting in Oxford was actually legally procured by the shooter's parents. Further, the school and law enforcement were aware of the concerns about this kid coming in and doing something fucked up and heinous like this, and nothing was done. But rather than than, than address that issue, right? Uh, hey, mom and dad, which we did, they got arrested, they're going to jail, this kid's going to jail for his entire life, thank God. Uh, it's not enough to say, hey, case closed, law is carried out here. No, 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 no. We need to make it even harder here. And the bigger issue, oh, so that's why we're that's why we're passing safe storage laws here in Michigan, effective next month. Um, and it requires Michigan gun owners, this is the same article here goes on to say, uh, requires Michigan gun owners to use gun locks and gun safes if they live with a child or if a child visits their home often. Every legal gun owner already wants to safely store their firearms. We don't want them stolen. We don't want them ending up in the wrong hands. Again, whatever may happen with that firearm, it's already illegal. We already have laws for that, and they're already on the books. But what it's doing here is it's casting a wider net. So then me, as a lawful gun owner, I don't have children, and I don't often have children visit my home. And again, this is a cited article. This is not the actual legal language. So my personal opinion and my personal belief is it's just another one of the charges that's going to be trumped up and racked up to say, hey, uh, something really bad happened. It's your fault. As the person who actually legally purchased and procured the firearm, it was your responsibility to lock it up. And it's your fault someone stole it. And it's your fault someone did something bad with it. They're just looking to discourage gun ownership even further and make it even more difficult and make it more of a luxury when it's, in fact, a guaranteed right. Um, now the last piece of this that we'll, we'll talk about are obviously, it's obviously the red flag laws. And this is what is most concerning to me because man, uh, it it takes effect in, in spring and it allows family, police, mental health professionals, roommates, and former partners. Okay. Uh, to petition a judge to remove firearms from people they believe that pose a threat. There is no due process here. The judge is the one that makes that decision. And judges are elected. Judges run on platforms, just like our politicians. So in a lot of cases, a lot of, the, or a lot of these instances, I should say, right, the, we have some very left-leaning, some very liberal judges, right? And they don't 
believe that firearm ownership is a guaranteed right. And a lot of them are supported by donors who also align with that belief system. So as long as you petition the correct judge, and if somebody who's actually got an agenda and is out there to just disarm somebody and drag them through the media and the mud, they know that now this judge has 24 hours to decide on a protection order. Again, there's no case. There's no debate. There's no, you're not able to defend yourself. This judge just makes up their mind and says, yep, I think based off of the limited information that I'm presented here by your crazy fucking ex-girlfriend or your in-laws who don't like you, that you're not safe to have a firearm based on whatever family fight you could have had or disagreement or whatever post you made on social media, which by the way, tone can be applied to any kind of printed uh, communication, which is an even more complex issue when you get into that and the pitfalls that that brings with it. But now the judge has 24 hours to decide if you lose your Second Amendment rights. And uh, yes, there's a process, and they say, right, not this article, but they say that you'll have, you know, six to eight weeks for your trial, and then you can just get your firearms back. That's how red flag laws work. And that's all well and good. But for those of you guys living outside of the Detroit area in, like, Wayne County here in Michigan, You'll remember that when we hit lockdown back in 2020, the waiting times for CPL processing, not even like, hey, I I took my class, I dropped off my paperwork, Um, you know, uh, how long is it going to take for me to get the paperwork processed? It was literally to make an appointment to drop off your paperwork. Was it nine months? So there were people who were potentially waiting after completing a CPL course, waiting a year to get their CPL back to them and approved. Essentially, the government was inserting a speed bump in the process and hiding behind COVID, uh, which is shitty and unfortunate and illegal at a whole whole, whole lot of levels. Uh, But like the government does, they don't prosecute themselves and you're not going to win against them in a lot of instances, especially not for something like this. So uh, we saw nothing. But what I'm the point I'm making with this is with these red flag laws, they they swear, right? They, They promise six to eight weeks for you to get in front of a judge to plead your case. That six to eight weeks can turn into six to eight months pretty fucking fast, if not longer. In the meantime, you are prohibited from purchasing firearms. You do not have the firearms that you already have. So even if you could purchase another one, because technically at this point you've not done anything wrong, right? That you'd have to spend more money, put the money out. And so if you guys, a lot of you guys think about, hey, the gun that we carry today, right? Like I carry a Glock 19 probably another five, 600 bucks, right? Plus another $400 for the optic, plus another $60 for the optic plate because the MOS plates from Glock are fucking trash, plus weapon-mounted light, which is another $300 for an X300, right? So you're actually looking at what's uh, $1,200 to $1,500 of you know added expense, just depending on what you carry, um, if you have to buy a new holster and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so it's very concerning here that these laws are passed. It's very concerning that we don't have a bigger pushback within the state of Michigan from elected leadership to combat this. Um, this is truly right. This is why it is so important to win elections. And it's so important that you work with your elected representatives to have a, a horse in the race, so to speak, right? Tudor Dixon in the last, uh, the last election for governor of the state of Michigan, Tudor Dixon was the best we could apparently put up against Gretchen Whitmer. And she was terrible. She had the least to say in the gubernatorial debate for the Republican party. Uh, and, she would would have probably been one of the last two choices for almost anybody. But for whatever reason, she got the nod from former President Donald Trump. And then the party here, the GOP party here in Michigan, just decided that that was going to be it. She's who we're going to put on the ticket. And she got crushed, which then means that we get another, you know, four years or whatever it is of Gretchen Whitmer sitting here telling us all how we need to live our lives while she was breaking COVID protocol, while her and her husband were trying to get favors done to get their boat launched in the water, had everybody else's up in Traverse City and shit. And the list of, you know, blunders this woman has had, it goes on and on and on. Oh, she, she campaigned on a platform to fix the roads. I would invite anybody listening to this. If you aren't in Michigan, I invite you, please. Come visit our great state and tell me what you think of our roads, because I'll be honest with you. uh, If you do find some roads that don't have some level of construction on them, it's like a third world country. It's, uh, you know, uh, there are people who have served in the military who've deployed to active, active war zones, right? Places where they're regularly experiencing mortars and bombs and IEDs and things who have made comments to me like, 
I drove on better roads in Iraq. I drove on better roads in, in Afghanistan, uh, which to some degree may be an explanation, but man, the roads here are freaking terrible. And that was the biggest, that was the biggest platform and sticking point that, that governor Whitmer ran on. So, you know, uh, she's just awful. And uh, to me, honestly, this the signing of this bill, it falls in line with national politics. We don't have a gun violence problem outside of Detroit. We don't have a gun violence problem here in the state of Michigan. And, you know, it, it's it is disingenuous to me because cities already are able to pass their own ordinances, which is why Detroit has different you know rules and, and different things going on than the rest of the state and everything. Uh you, you should not be designing your rules and your laws for an entire state off of one city, which has been, by the way, ran by Democrats for the majority of the last several decades here. And we still apparently can't seem to fully rebuild. We can't seem to eliminate the homelessness issue. We can't seem to eliminate the violence and the gangs and the guns, right, that they say that these laws are uh, targeted towards addressing. Uh, they say that, you know, the, the, the gun laws are going to help, but in reality, they only hurt law abiding individuals. Um, they don't actually take anything away from the criminals. A criminal is already barred from, uh, from possessing a firearm legally, right? They, they cannot by, by definition own a firearm. And if these gun control laws worked the way that these politicians promise that they do, then that would mean that once they were convicted of one crime, one time, they would never again be able to commit a crime with a firearm, which is laughable because they just go out and get another one. They steal from somebody or they buy one illegally. And we don't, and we don't enforce those laws. I mean, we do try to, but those laws are already on the books. So to sit here and scream at the media that more gun control is needed is laughable. The actual answer to the problem is that we need better people control. We need better teachers in schools. We need parents to stick around. That's one of the, the, if you look at the statistics around families in Detroit, and I'm not making this about race because it isn't, it's about the American nuclear, the nuclear family and the importance it has on developing children with, of strong character, right? Those numbers will back the entire story. A lot of these criminals come from broken homes, abusive parents, single parents, right? And this is what it leads to. But we don't want to acknowledge that because that would mean it was our fault. Not like our fault is in the people listening to this podcast, obviously, but you know, people don't want to take ownership for anything these days. And if you look at the numbers of the last 50 years, as all the wrong statistics have gone up, some of the most important ones going down are the nuclear family, which again plays into a whole bunch of other diversity, equity, and inclusion bullshit that I don't want to get into in the scope of this discussion for this episode for this podcast. But you know, um, the last little bit that I think we need to get into here is a story that broke. It's not really a story and it didn't really break, um, but it was something that was shared on social media. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead right now and just apologize because this whole, these last few minutes here, this is all being re-recorded. I had a lot of you guys following me on Instagram on the live feed and I had it, you know, some technical difficulties <coughs> and, and we had to kind of splice in some new audio. So this is a little bit different. Um, but there was a page that shared a story here, uh, basically out by an interstate with a very, very poor backer or if no backer and backstop in Arizona where some quote goon bros, um, were basically, uh, targeting target practice, doing target shit. And then if you, you flip through a couple of these slides and, uh, the law enforcement was, was getting involved because you guys were out in the streets in ski masks and chest rigs with their rifles, taking goon photos for Instagram. Now, I mean, I don't care. Use whatever vernacular you want to describe, like, you know, what, what you and the boys are doing, you know, like Josh and I have said it before in jest, uh, while we're making messages like, uh, you know, if we're getting ready to go train with night vision or something, it's, yeah, I can't wait for goon stuff with the boys, like ha ha in jest in passing. It's funny, but there is this whole sect of our community that takes it more like a religion where, and these are the same cringy dudes that are like, you know, doing, they do dumb shit. They're the same ones that won't participate in elections because they think that they are so morally attuned to the way the world works that they won't give unjust or unrad or, or unbased individuals, uh, power of leadership over them. And it's like, okay, every 
every organized civilization since the beginning of time, since the history of man, in the history of man, right? We've had some kind of, we've had some kind of organized government, democracy or, 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 you know, royalty, monarchy, whatever. And here's how we get people like, you know, Gretchen Whitmer in office is because we have these people that refuse to vote that would vote in favor of politicians that are pro 2A, that would help to advance the agenda items that would make everybody's life better and preserve our freedoms, thus making our lives better. But these are the kinds of guys that don't do that. They go out, they buy night vision, or they finance night vision and actually finance and maneuver, which is another notable presence that I'm not not super familiar with them. I know them by name, but I don't know a lot about finance and maneuver. Um, But this is referenced in this post from Backward Observations that is kind of the one that put it out there, and then it was reshared by people like Lucas from T-Rex, Grand Thumb. Uh, but this whole goon lifestyle where you're going out, I mean, it, it causes issues pretty much everywhere it goes. Because now, if you're one of these guys in a bank robber rig with a ski mask and your rifle and you're being detained by police, whether you're in your lawful rights or not, that is not the issue here. And I want to be very clear about that. Because here in Michigan, you can you can legally, lawfully walk around with an AR-15 rifle out in the open. Open carry is legal in the state of Michigan, as it should be in every state, if you're asking my opinion. The problems that this causes, though, is that it creates a general <laughs> a general environment of tension <clears throat> and distrust. When I say distrust, this is what I mean. Because now, local law enforcement doesn't want anything to do with you, because you're, pro- you're out acting like assholes. I'm going to assume that they were probably less than courteous, and I'm going to assume that they probably weren't very cooperative. Uh, I could be wrong. I hope that I am wrong. Um, And if somebody who was involved with that wants to message me and call me, you know, whatever expletive makes their day and tell me that I was wrong, then so be it. But I have the sneaky suspicion that's not the way that this went down. And now you have that as an issue. So law enforcement is no longer on your side. I mean, they may be, but they start not like what they were before because now you're making their life more miserable because now the watch commanders and, and things like that, they have to answer to their bosses who have to answer to the, their bosses who have to answer to the politicians about what the hell's going on on these city streets, which then leads to politicians having, you know, the good idea of ferry stop by and create ideas like more oppressive gun control. It also creates a general environment and feeling of distrust in your community. So your peers, your neighbors, the people that, you know, will be voting are going to vote in new gun control laws or new politicians that are going to pass gun control laws. In addition, just not being fucking safe. Like if you're going to shoot anywhere, make sure you have a safe backstop. Like, don't be a fucking dumbass. You do not want to be the guy that goes to jail for 25 years for manslaughter because you were doing something goon for the fucking gram and you killed someone. And not just, I mean, it could be anybody. It could be a fucking kid for all you know. All right. Be better than that. That's one of the, that's one of the, the like toxic ideologies that really took root, I think, in social media um, that I, I think does way more harm for us than it does good. Especially because those guys are really good at posing and doing dumb shit, but they're not good at going out and training. They're not good at going out and finding quality information, and they're not good at being constructive in the community. They can't offer up information. They aren't there to build up their fellow man. They're usually just the ones that are there hanging out in the comment section being an asshole, in my experience. You guys take that for whatever it's worth. And if you feel offended by that, I welcome you to reach out, and we can have a discussion. I would love that, actually. And disprove. But it'll probably just be a lot of pandering because it's it's a flawed ideology. Uh, I, I will defer to individuals in this space that are notable, like people like, again, the ones that spoke out against it. People have been very influential and very inspirational in this space, like Lucas Botkin, like Grantham. A lot of these people like that know what the hell's going on are not the ones out here talking about living the goon life. We actually just saw Jim's Goon Life, the notable YouTube channel, change their name to Jimmy B. Rodriguez. Because now, because people have taken this to such a place where it should never have gone and never needed to go, that the term goon, when associated with the 2A community, carries such a heavy negative connotation and such a juvenile connotation with it. People don't people want to be attached to that anymore. If you want to be seen and you know as a as a reasonable adult and you want to be respected in the community and outside the community and by your peers, you can't do that anymore. And that's just a classic example of a couple people 
ruining it for the bunch. But um, and I don't know the I don't know a ton of the details here. There's a lot going on in the comments section. It, you know, even Grantham drops in and says he remembers all of this vaguely because there's a screenshot of a text conversation where um, he Lily says, "Holy shit, are those ARs firing at it?" And they say, yeah, one Garand and a Glock 2. And, you know, Mike comes back and says, bruh, don't know if it's good to post. And they say, way out in the desert, nice and safe. Well, I mean, realistically not safe at all, but nobody else was endangered. And Mike's telling them not to post it. So whoever is communicating in this instance here, uh, they knew what they were doing was wrong, and they made the conscious decision to do it anyways. And, well, no one's endangered. That right there is a dangerous statement because that implies that you made an assessment and you accept responsibility for everything that came after it. It is your responsibility as a shooter, if you're going someplace and practicing that, you know, is not a designated range or something, it's your responsibility to ensure what you're doing is safe. And, oh, well, no one is endangered. How can you know that? How can you make that statement? So Grantham drops into the comments. I remember this vaguely. If I recall, there wasn't a good backstop, and the gentleman showed me a Google Maps of location with a highway. I recommended not shooting there and not posting the video. I don't recall it being finance maneuver, though. Can't remember who it was. And that's got like 199 likes. Um, so, you know, uh, it's, it, it's, just, it's not a good look. It's not a good look when we are already a community constantly under fire from politicians and from the community and from the left-wing media that gun owners are a problem that if anything gives them more ammunition and it instills the idea in the community that gun owners are in fact a problem and that we don't want you around we don't want guns around so i know it's not necessarily a current event um but it is worth it is worth the time and it is worth talking about because God damn it, guys, it's, it's shooting ourselves in the foot by doing dumb shit like this because we just don't have enough between the ears to figure out that this was a bad idea. We should go do somewhere else and go somewhere else and do it and shouldn't post it online for the whole fucking world to see. Um, so, I mean, and that's and that's why, you know, like you see some of these big notable pages. I don't know how they do half the shit they do. They're walking through the streets of whatever city in full tack gear, and they're able to put cool trap music behind it. And, you know, I like watching those videos as much as anybody else, but you don't know. Are those airsoft guns? Um, is that a private building that they have access and control of? Are those weapons completely clear and safe? And it's literally just that, a video. Um, did they pull a permit to do recording? I mean, you don't know you don't know the details behind this stuff. It's literally just something you saw on the internet and shit. Even with AI nowadays, half of it could be fucking fake for all, you know? So, uh, I just felt like that needed to be said. And that's all I got for you guys this week. I'm kind of running up on the time as it is. So I do want to make sure that I wrap it. And, uh, that's like, I said, that's what I got. We got some pretty badass stuff coming in the next couple weeks, folks. Um, shot shows at the end of this month. Uh, we'll have some content and stuff around that time. We will not be going, um, but you know, certainly we'll be looking for all the good posts, all the good information and product drops that come with that this time of year. Um, so we all know what we can start saving all of our shekels for and, you know, how we can, uh, <clears throat> whore ourselves out to make the money to pay for all of it. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this, uh, coverage. And for those of you guys that were able to catch, uh, the first three quarters of this on Instagram, um, shoot me a message. Let me know what you guys thought. If you, if you would like to start seeing more of our interviews and episodes and stuff, uh, done via live stream, let me know. We'd certainly like to try uh, working that in. And, uh, it, it, that is, if it's something that you guys like, but uh, that's all for me, you guys. Be safe out there, everybody. Uh, enjoy your, you know, your weekend, hopefully. And if you guys are listening to this on Sunday, go Lions. As we are, uh, well, we did get hosed last weekend by the refs in Dallas. My Detroit Lions are, for the first time in a long time, division champions and playoff bound. So, really, really cool for me. And if you guys don't like football, then I, I don't care because I do. So, uh, that's all I got, though. Uh, until next time, folks. Work hard. Train smarter and be prepared.